0: Hey everybody and welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon. Have you ever had the experience of imagining or envisioning some extraordinary possibilities for yourself or for your business or been in a very creative flow state and highly focused and then something shifts in your mindset and you zoom into limitations or challenges or you get redirected from that flow state and you can't get back? Today I spoke with Deborah Peters and she shares some very valuable insight about how we can control our mindset and the importance of staying in the creative space and not allowing our limiting beliefs to change our thinking or forcing us to zoom in to all the reasons why we can't accomplish what we want to. So as leaders or entrepreneurs or even for ourselves personally, we can both envision what we want but stay on the path to achieving it. So enjoy this conversation with Deborah Peters. Hey everybody! We're lucky to have Deborah Peters on the podcast with us today. Deborah, thanks so much for being here. And Deborah is an international business coach, a professional speaker, the host of the Deborah Peters Show, which is a podcast where she discusses health, wealth, business, and relationships and self-expression. Also, a blogger, and if I understand, soon to be best-selling author. Uh, Deborah has conducted <laughs> training for business leaders in 20 countries and a wide variety of industries and companies, including government agencies like the FBI, which I thought was cool. Deborah, thanks so much for being here. What's going on?
1: Oh man, it's good to be here. There's just a lot going on in the world, so hopefully, some of the stuff we chat about today will help someone through any sort of transition they're in or any sort of shift they're they're yeah, contemplating. No, yeah, no
0: kidding. Well, hopefully, and uh, before we jump in. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what brought you here today?
1: Sure. I'd love to. Who doesn't want to talk about themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, this is the, my favorite story. I grew up on a farm and uh, it was very remote. My dad died when I was seven and my sisters were 10 years older than me and they were gone. like They moved out. So I was alone. It was just kind of like me and my mom and, and whatever. Um, Hired help that we would get to do the heavy lifting. So my imagination was my best friend, and it really took me through some tough times. You know, well, at, at the and during that, I, I guess I it was like a double-edged sword. Like on one one hand, I knew that my imagination was really powerful, and that I was building this future for myself. And uh, the flip side of that was, I didn't realize how potent it was. And so here I am now talking about living stuff that I dreamt about and imagined and fostered in my mind. It's just, it's phenomenal. And, you know, I was out for a walk this morning and um, because yesterday I I had a really bad day like I was kind of negative I was hard on myself beating myself up in my self-talk and I know better because I teach people how to not do that (laughs) Um, but every once in a while it just kind of come along comes along and catches me off guard and um, so today was it's a whole other day today you know we can start over any moment and I was saying to myself today it's like you know you realize that Everything you're living now was, at some point, an idea. So that's really what drives me, and it's why I'm here. It's my calling to show people that they can create whatever they want to create for themselves if they start doing the inner work.
0: That's great. You said something that that resonated with me about... Like you should know better uh, when you're talking about like, <laughs> self-talk. And yeah. and it, I think it, it really does go to show that even if you are like, like air quotes, like an expert or you're highly experienced in something, it doesn't mean you're not susceptible to the the, mm. the things that create it or, or the challenges that surround that particular thing. The, what stood out for me is you generally have either a, like a more sense, like a higher degree of sensitivity to it. And you probably have tools in and in a process that you can apply, but it doesn't mean you're immune to it.
1: Thank you for pointing that out because I think some people, and maybe it's what we're taught. Because I certainly used to feel this way. I did so many um, training and courses on to become a coach, and I was a little disillusioned in the beginning, thinking, "Okay, you know, I'm going to do this," and then all my troubles disappear and all my all my struggles go away and it's not like that i mean we're human beings we have programs and patterns from childhood that have had a lot of practice on and we've lived our lives in that space energetically for maybe a lifetime so when you start repatterning yourself or catching yourself going into a negative space I think the point I want to make here is like, it's not about perfection. Like, it's not about, okay, I'm never going to deal with this again. It's just being really, to your point, more sensitive to it and then having the tools to apply to it. So it doesn't hijack, you know, your life or your week or your month or your year. Maybe it's only a couple hours in a day.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's like the concept of like progress over perfection, or just knowing that mastery of of anything is a journey, not a destination. And it's and it's so easy. And I find myself doing this in an area that I feel like I've I've become advanced. Where if I if, if I make a mistake or if I fall into a particular trap, it's easy to to feel like heavily impacted by that because you feel like you should have done better. But if you if you actually take a step back and you can celebrate maybe how quickly you were able to pivot back yeah. or to recover or to, to you know communicate differently than you used to about it instead of focusing on, I can't believe I you know fell into that trap or that thing happened to me that I teach people not to do.
1: Right. And being, making yourself wrong. Yeah. I had a conversation with some friends on the weekend. We got together for the day and had some dinner and we were talking about relationships and, um, you know, I think this is a really good example too, where we might stay in a dysfunctional relationship or a toxic relationship for long periods of time in the beginning when we're not very conscious. And then as we grow and expand our self awareness, you know, maybe we don't, maybe we only stay in that relationship for six months, or you finally get to a point where you, you kind of see it coming towards you across the room. <laughs> And, yeah. <laughs> and you dodge a bullet you know so that's really what it's about it's just being aware of the pattern when the pattern shows up and then instead of making yourself wrong finding what's right about it is that you recognized it and you circumvented it
0: yeah yeah and potentially you just reduced its impact in a, in, a, in, a, in a negative or reduce the negative impact in, in a positive way
1: yeah yeah where it doesn't run off with you for like i said earlier about relationships like it doesn't run off with you for half your life and you know some people live their whole lives um run in the same negative self-doubt patterns and you know some people never really realize that they can actually change that
0: Maybe you maybe don't even know that you're telling yourself that story, and yeah. you're in that loop. It just feels like reality, and not something that you have control over.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, self awareness, I think, is um, man. You can't you can't say enough about self awareness and the importance of really paying attention where you connect the dots between what you say to yourself, what you think about, and how you feel. And then the experiences you're living. When you can connect those dots, you can you can literally set yourself free. But as long as you don't connect the dots between the internal process within you and then the external reflection through life experiences outside of you, then you're always gonna be just like wondering why is this keep happening to me?
0: Mm. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. you've got such a, a diverse background and a ton of experience and you you've got a lot going on what, what are you focused on today and what are, you, what are the challenges that that uh, that you're trying to solve
1: so today my main focus is uh getting my workout in a bigger embodiment so that i'm not doing the same heavy lifting all the time and um that's really key i mean i've i've Developed a few courses. We're editing those now, um, both video, audio, and workbook. So I have three of those that are going to, we're going to launch those in the new year. Um, just getting into something like that and developing an online course, I mean, it's a lot of work.
0: I understand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just a lot of work. And um, it can, you know, you have to really, I had to teach myself how to how to really compartmentalize my time. You know that old school time blocking thing came. That skill set came to the forefront because if I'm splitting my time between uh, interfacing with clients, speaking at conferences, facilitating leadership retreats, and then and that's a lot of creative juice that's flowing. And then needing to step back from all that and write out a course and make it flow and take the take people through an expansive journey and that's more creative juice and I mean at the end of the day it's like I just want to go for a walk in the woods you know
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I mean, time blocking is is crucial for for what I do what we teach it's fundamental there's an analogy that that we that we use and it's time blocks are like putting boulders in the stream and if you don't yeah. put them in there, the, the water is everything else. It's just going to rush right over and, and take that that time. And I find that to be so true for myself and everyone that I engage with. If you can figure out what you want to focus on, you have to create the space for it to happen. And if you don't dedicate space to it, other things are going to take that that time and that space. So time blocking is, I think, the the backbone, at least for me, on how I stay focused on what matters most.
1: Yeah, it's so key. and you know, if you're right, it's like, if you don't actually block it off, it never happens. And I think this is critical for all of us to realize is that if you want something in your life, you have to make the space for it. And you have to create, you know, what's that saying? If you want things in your life to change, you have to change things in your life, right? That's so if you Yeah. So if you want a certain outcome, you have to calendar it. You have to block out some, two kinds of space, really. The first space is the um, the inspirational, intuitive space where you don't really have an agenda. And you just, for me, that's, you know, whether I'm lifting weights or going for a bike ride or going for a walk or going skiing, you know. That Or even flying across the country, it's funny when people say, oh, I always take a red eye because otherwise it's a waste of time. I am never wasting time when I'm on a jet. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm writing something. I'm creating something. There, I got something going on.
0: When I was traveling, sorry to interrupt you. When I was traveling, like seventy-five percent for uh, for a while, when we were, we were launching an international business, I like airplane time was my office time. That's when like no one could bother me. Yeah. I could do my creative work, I, I really tried to leverage that. And then after a long trip coming home, I would give myself permission to watch some movies and and relax at at times. But uh, I hear you on the, the use of that time.
1: Well, and even you know, even that like those times when I'm on a long haul jet that. I don't. I choose not to work. I will binge watch, or I'll I'll watch <laughs> three or four movies if I'm heading across the pond, because that's the only time I really do that sort of thing. Like I never otherwise. I never turn the TV on, you know. So it's okay to give oneself a break and not to have to always be on. But but that I find to be just that you know it's a twofold process. It's an inner process first. Give your time uh give yourself space for your imagination to do its thing and then when when it hits you write it down because then that turns into the external action
0: definitely yeah i I coach uh, a a few leaders in a in a digital marketing uh agency and a company and they we talk about time blocking and also like the creative space and and I encourage them, I'm like, well, block your time and defend your time block. And they're like, you don't understand. Like sometimes the creative bug grabs you and you don't yes. expect it. And other times it's just not there. And I get that too. And I have that experience. And since they've they've been really pushing back on me about it, I've noticed it more for myself. Like I can put a time block on the the calendar and say, All right, for these two hours, I'm just gonna develop some content. And the first like 30, 40 minutes, it's just like writer's nothing block, <laughs> nothing yeah, coming out of it except me staring at the screen and trying to find some inspiration. So it's it's interesting. It's not always there when you want it.
1: I know, I know. I usually write speeches when I'm up for a walk. Mm. Like this week, I had a speech this week, and I just had some because I've been traveling. I, I just had so much going on. Um, I didn't I didn't get the speech written, and it was then quickly. It was like that evening. So I'm like, wow, you know what? I haven't done my walk for the day. Let me go, let me go do my walk and run the stairs. And by the time I get back, I'll have the speech written. So I you know, I just came back and dropped some talking points on a piece of paper and I'm good to go. So it's really key. I mean, I think I think pretty much every major leader in the world um, used time and nature to. That was their creative time. That was their their deep think.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that. I um, haven't done as much of it lately, but I used to to run when I needed to do that and clear my head and go for longer runs and just the head time of nothing else to do but just think or not get hit by a car or something like that. But yeah. paying, paying attention to to where you're going. But other than that, you can just kind of clear the mechanism and and have some thought. And I, I can relate to that that being a good time to uh, to have some focus
1: yeah definitely and and being okay with with that i think we're a little bit too programmed to always be in the mode of doing mm. a lot a lot can happen in the mode of non doing
0: yeah and it, yeah it's, it's interesting cuz it's it's a lot like for me where reflection shows up it's it's somewhere between like meditation and reflection and just having the space to do nothing allows you to clear your mind
1: yeah it sure does yeah. So so yeah, you mentioned the courses
0: favorite. that you're that you're developing. What's the what's the content like? What's the the theme of the courses?
1: Well, one of them is is it's a mind mastery course, and it's all about it's got a lot of neuroscience in it, um, and, and it's geared toward you know increasing revenue within a in your business or your company. Um, I see like there's this disconnect usually with business leaders between. The day that they come up with the idea that you know this is the company I want to launch and they're excited about it and they're enthusiastic and they can't wait to get it off the ground. And and their imagination is just like working overtime, coming up with all these ideas. And then once they get into it, um, and it can be a little bit challenging and things don't necessarily go the way you think they're going to go or you get some setbacks or whatever, funding doesn't come through. Then they stop using their inspiration and enthusiasm to move things along and they start to grind it out. So I decided that that disconnect needed to be fixed. So I built a bridge, basically, between uh, how business owners, the C-suite, whatever level, size of company it is, how they um, just like can't stay focused on their imagination. And they start buying into this idea that now it's hard and it's they have to they have to grind and they, you know, they need to expect to fail like these, these kinds of it's like the starving artist. You know, we've been taught that and a lot of it is just limiting beliefs, frankly.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you if that shows up as limiting beliefs and having to, to retrain your brain to to not acknowledge those or believe them to be a fixed true thing
1: you have to because the thing is is that most of us i would say probably 100% of us <laughs> um, were handed down limiting beliefs by well meaning parents and community members and extended family etc um that didn't realize they were limited by their belief system so that you know you can only hand down what you already know until because we don't know what we don't know and so you can only hand down what you know until you know something grander or bigger or more expansive and they get in the way i mean you figure 0 to 7 are the are the imprint years and that's when the the mind of the child is the most malleable i mean they'll pretty much accept anything that you Show them, teach them, tell them. Um, and then and then you know seven to fourteen are the modeling years. and you've got you've got more um, influence on that that child or that that adolescence uh, concept of reality. So by the time they hit adulthood and the brain doesn't stop developing till you're twenty five, I mean, you've had a lot of programming and conditioning and dictating how things are in the world, the model of the world. Most of it's just somebody else's limitation that they're regurgitating because it's all they know. The problem is is that we accept that and then we go out into the world and we decide through our imagination and kind of like our gifts and talents that are are in our heart, um, we decide to go out in the world and develop something but now we've got these blocks from that old programming and conditioning that get in the way. And it can feel very real. It can feel like it is hard. And then we defend it. And we say, see, it is hard. Look at what the problems I'm having. And that therein lies in and of itself a, a critical program of defending one's limitations.
0: It, so we have this in like inherent tendency, just a human characteristic. The way our brains function in our development, the way we're, we we our brains develop, that we have these either handed down or or learned limiting beliefs. And where this shows up for somebody who's in a a leadership role or building a business, running a business, is they're, they're in this visionary state, and that's a great place to be because you can imagine extraordinary. You can begin to design the vision of the the business that you want to create or or the business that exists today and just maintaining or re, or redirecting that vision but what ends up happening if i understand and and where you see the challenge of this kind of natural inclination is then you start to get into the grind of actually doing or putting the the vision to to practice and it gets hard and then you start to like grab onto those those limiting beliefs or start to let that loop play itself and we need yeah. to recognize that that's happening uh, especially if you're in that kind of visionary type role, if I understand, you need to be able to stay in that creative space and not let that those limiting beliefs or that experience uh, pull you out of it.
1: Exactly, and and that takes some practice. You know, that's what we always say. Self mastery is. I mean, look, we live life and we experience life through our senses, right? What we hear, see, smell, taste, touch self-talk into it our senses are delivering information to us about life 24 7 and so it, it's very real when it's in your face you know it's like when something's going sideways like maybe the, you, you lost the biggest deal or i don't know like something isn't working or or your top most productive person got an offer at another company and left you um, it can, it can feel like the struggle can feel very real. And so because we have all of our senses are lit up like a Christmas tree, it's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I have all these you know, responsibilities and commitments, and now this is not there to support me. I don't have these resources. The, the biggest and hardest but most rewarding step you can take when you're in something like that Is to be able to shift your focus from what is, like the crisis of the moment, and actually get back into that imaginary space of what you're creating, and it sounds like oh, there's the magic pill. Okay, I can do that till it's time to do it. You know, it's um, because the whole world is stacked against your pivot. That's a pivot. That's a very sharp pivot from. The, you know everything's going wrong in my world too. Oh yeah, what was that next thing we were going to launch and create, and how excited I was! Man, that emotional mastery—that's your freedom.
0: Yeah, there's. How do you how do you recommend or what would uh, some some identifiers be or triggers to help you identify? Oh, I'm, I'm about to, you know, let this limiting belief play, or I'm going to go into that 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 place. Is there anything that someone could? put in place to to help trigger or help them identify that this is happening for them?
1: hundred percent. It's how you feel. It's how you feel. If you're feeling bad, you know, you're focused on negative stuff and that can be different. That's different for everyone. I mean, for me, like yesterday, and I was saying, I sort of had a rough day and I let myself, my mind go into negative thinking, um, I started, actually, my stomach was upset, and then I started getting a headache, and I'm like, wow, oh, what have I been doing to myself? I let it get this far today, you know, and I caught it, and that's where kind of, you know, our conversation comes full circle of having that self-awareness where you can pay attention to your thinking or your emotions or, or you know, what that's causing in your body. Those that's the biggest trigger, you know. When we talk about stress, um, people not feeling well, people having health issues, pretty much all of the time, those health issues come from some kind of internal imbalance within you, where you're out of alignment with your inner being, and your ego is run off with you, <laughs> and. It's negative and it's it's fearful and it's doubtful and it's just, that's just some nasty stuff. Like your cells are listening and that'll bring you down in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah. I, what relates for me, at least in my experience, not being nearly as masterful at, at this as as you are, obviously, but I it's start to catch myself saying certain things sure. or like the tone of my, uh, my responses and I'll catch myself. I'm like, oh, that's... Uh, That's where I'm going and I'm already starting to take this path and I've been able to definitely not perfect by any means, but I've been able to catch that a little sooner than I had in the past before it gets too far off the rails. But again, it's just a, a muscle. I feel like it's getting a little bit stronger, but it's not easy.
1: Yeah. Keep practicing. I mean, again, like think of the, you know, the amount of programming you've had in the other direction. Mm -hmm. so to even be able to identify it is huge huge pat yourself on the back for that and then to be able to catch it is another huge so you know it's um celebrating yourself that you're paying attention is the first thing
0: that's a great point just paying attention and it's it's like uh you know the Law of Attraction, right? It's if you focus on something, you can become more aware of it, identify when it shows up, control it easier, grow in a positive direction. But you have to first at least become aware of it and attend or attempt to pay attention to something.
1: Absolutely, and always, you know. Here's another thing that works really well: is to physically move. So, what works for me, I know I talk about walks a lot, but. Uh, it's true. Like when I start to get into, um, a very unproductive kind of state of mind, um, just get up and go for a walk. Cause at the end of the day, you're not producing anything of quality anyway, mm-hmm. you might as well walk away. So, you know, I've I have people argue this point with me and, and they're like, yeah, but we don't have time. And it's like, well, honey, if you're going to sit in front of your computer for an hour and be cranky, you might as well get up for 30 minutes and go for a walk. Yeah, and you'll feel better because I noticed that about me. It's like I start to get cranky when I'm staring at my screen too much, and it's like, oh, I need a break from my computer. I got to move yeah. my body.
0: It and like, when I sit for too long. You know, yeah. I'm not a great sitter, uh, which is why I, I typically when I work, I stand and I pull the plug out of my remote or my motor on my standing desk, and it just stays up. And so that's cool. That, that's that's the trigger for me, but I, I know that changing the environment helps like you're saying yes. go for a walk i think just for even at the very least i've recognized that if i can change the go to a different room change the environment just yeah. disrupt the 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 momentum that you're on in a potential negative way and try to shift it a different direction
1: Well, it changes your perception of reality literally because you've spatially changed your environment and something i do when i'm teaching seminars especially when i have like if it's a corporate strategy session and I've, I've got a bunch of execs around a boardroom table, they don't like it at first, but then they come to appreciate it on the breaks when they, when I bring them back from a break, I have them sit in a different spot. It's almost like rotating chairs, you know, because I want them to, you know, when you, let's say you're sitting at one far end and then you move down the table to the opposite side, to the middle. You, everything's different it looks different it feels different you're perceiving differently when you're perceiving differently then your neurons are firing differently and you come up with resources to to questions that maybe you couldn't even look at before so there's huge value in that and it doesn't have to be you know a 30-minute walk down the garden path I mean it could be just like you said, walk into a different room. but i I do feel that if you can get outside and get some fresh air, um even if you walk around the building and come back in, man, that's good,
0: yeah. so if you find yourself walking down the wrong, like not no, no pun on the walking, but the walking down the wrong mental path, yeah and, and you feel you catch yourself, okay, like there's some some triggers that you've figured out for yourself, and you you've identified, all right, I might. In in the context you you mentioned earlier, I might be getting into the weeds a little too much or the getting acknowledging these limiting beliefs in a negative way that are taking me out of my visionary state, my creative place. Right. And change the environment or go for a walk or do something to to shift the, the mindset so that you can and you're better off right? if you if you know you've got an hour to focus on something, you're in the wrong place to you're you're gonna have an unproductive hour. So why not take yeah. 15, 20 minutes and go clear the mechanism and come back and hopefully you can reset, get back to the, the place you need to be.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean, it's just really hard on your body to force it to sit in a restrained um, situation that, because the body takes on all the stress from the mind and the emotions, right? Um, And, and I think a lot of times, you know it's when people are unhappy with their jobs, I think if they could if they companies could implement some sort of movement um, strategy throughout the day where people get up and move around or they're encouraged to or they get points for it or something. you know it's um, I think that the happiness for the job will increase because the, that the, the um dissatisfaction typically comes because there isn't enough movement i mean we're designed to move it's beyond me why they've taken physical education out of the school system it's just ridiculous you know just like get those yeah. kids out let them let them run it off
0: yeah i mean that's a symptom of a whole i think turn for the for the wrong direction uh but you know if you've got you've got the work from home in shift over the last several so, years you know some some Counterbalancing happening, I think, on people going back into offices. One thing I think it did allow for, in some cases, is people could just take a take a, a lap around backyard, or they can yeah. go, you know move around their home or something for a little bit. Uh, even in an office environments, to your point, though, you, you need to sometimes have the opportunity if you're you're not in the right headspace to you know, maybe go for a walk or do something to change the environment.
1: I mm-hmm. know from my own
0: experience working in uh, you know, corporate headquarter type environments where you can be back to back all day. I mean, you yeah. 30 minute to hour meetings straight through lunch from eight till six. And it's tough if you get yourself in a in the wrong headspace, you don't have a chance. So how can you acknowledge and maybe find a way to to pivot and get out of that, that downward momentum?
1: Yeah, it's costing a lot of creativity. And creativity mm. is a resource,
0: 100%. Yeah, definitely. So it Limiting beliefs are, are a big part of that process, and, and what you're talking about of mindset shifting or being in the right creative space. In your course, is there anything else from those courses you think would be worth sharing?
1: Well, certainly the ability to. Or, well, let's back up the 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 awareness that you can actually re- pat on yourself. I think that's so important. You know, um, we no longer have to accept any sort of limitation or limiting experience because we can repattern ourselves. You know, I've been, I've been teaching these programs, I think probably for 20 years, Chris, and I've delivered them in 19 countries. And the thing that never changes is the message. It's, it might sound a little more sophisticated, maybe there's some literal science behind it, but I'm saying the same thing now as I was 20 years ago um the difference is that the consciousness of humanity has evolved and people now get it like they can they can hear me the words don't bounce off and so the first thing is that number 1 to become aware uh of when you're really sabotaging yourself through negativity and fear and doubt and then two is to learn some tools that you can apply. Um, And my, my favorite is just reframe like to reframe anything just sends you in a completely different direction. Can I ask
0: you about that? The reframe? Yeah. The something that, that that came to mind when you were were saying reframe and I'm not sure why drew this connection. So I think it makes sense. But if you know about the, the different hats, right? Like the opportunity to wear different hats to, Mm -hmm. to play a different role in a meeting or, um, in a, in a decision making process. And I, I, that's what I related that to. It's like, sometimes you can, you can choose to take a different perspective and like maybe wear a different hat for a moment where you, you're you're being negative. You don't think something's possible. And you're like, I just don't see how I can do that. Like try, tell me if this makes sense, but try wearing the other hat and man, like this is possible. How is it possible? And trying to play it from the other angle.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, so that brings me to another tool. So reframing is one where we just, to your point, we just reframe from this doesn't work to well. What if it could, right? Uh, or what if it did? How would things look? So that then kind of segues into the second tool, which is the, the quality of the questions that you ask, mm. right? So you know, rather than make a statement, which is like driving into a brick wall uh this doesn't work or this won't work or we've never done it this way before or whatever that is um instead asking more open uh, expansive kinds of questions that get the brain to fire differently like for example well what if it did work another question could be what else is possible um Another question could be, what haven't we thought of yet? You know, when you just start asking, I mean, quality of the answer is always in the quality of the question.
0: I love that you brought that up. It's something in the context of goal setting. We talk about this a lot when someone's trying to set goals, especially distant goals, like a vision, like, a, hey, where do I want to be in 10 years. And we, we say that it's, it, there's this relationship between the the quality of the question that you're asking and your ability to search for the answer. And the better the question and the, the harder and the more intentionally you search, the better the result that will come from that. You can set a bigger goal. You can challenge yourself to think more about what's possible. And yeah. it, it feels like there's some, some uh, connection between those two.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, um, letting the answer come And it may not come in the moment. I think this is, we have uh, this sort of like um, instant world that we live in. You know, everything has to happen fast. And if it's not, something's wrong. And um, we're just not wired that way. You know, we, as human beings, it's a different kind of process on a creative level than just the push of a button. So I sometimes I question, you know, where are we headed with this? Because as we implement different software and whatnot that can speed things up, where does the human side of it come into play? And we all we all are human, you know, we're social animals. We need to connect with one another. So. The, the, that old saying, like the, the joy is in the journey, not in the destination. I know it's it's been overused and it's a little corny, but really, truly, I mean, it is in the journey. It's in taking a step and recalibrating and asking yourself, is this feel like I'm headed toward what I want? And if the answer is no, then stepping in a different direction and being willing to be flexible that expands our neurology in and of itself, which enables greater levels of resourcefulness, higher levels of creative thinking, more inspired action instead of uh, linear logical grinding it out. You know, you you can, the efforting in the grind to me is like a, a waste of a life when you could be inspired and just nail it
0: do you see like a, a a balance in there between kind of like phases of of i guess work or phases of like mindset where you're like okay let's take the time to create the space where i can have a, a more creative uh, mindset and, and invest that time and just have a clear head and have the right fit like physiology and mindset to do that and then there's periods and this is the question do you see there's are, is there value in periods of okay now i've got the clarity i need to to zoom in for a little bit and grind but then knowing i need to hit pause and get back out of that
1: for sure and so that too is i think a very organic process you know it's not something you can
0: time lock <laughs>
1: put on a, yeah put on a, <laughs> a clock to to you know defend your clients <laughs> mm-hmm. um, cuz i i feel like the same i feel like the same thing happens with me too and and even with my team, it's it's sometimes we're just not in a very resourceful place and we, we need to just step back from it. And then there's other times where like it comes in in a rush and you can feel the difference in your body. You can feel the difference when you're sitting in front of your computer and you're grinding out something or when you just can't type fast enough because you're in the flow and the messages are just whirling at you. Um there's there's a very distinct difference to that, and and knowing that distinction, and then honoring it is really the key. Yeah,
0: and it, honoring it. That's a that's a good one. It's honoring the the time and not getting putting yourself in an environment where you can not be distracted or or lose that that uh, flow state that you're in.
1: Yeah, and and having some self mastery when your ego thinks it needs to distract you.
0: Oh yeah, it's always there. always there yeah yeah and I I keep in sorry to interrupt you I keep in an hour time block on Fridays where I reflect and journal and recalibrate on the week and it's a little bit of a creative space because you're you're trying to turn everything off I turn all my my phone notifications off put it away laptop down and I actually physically write yeah I'm not you know prone to look at a different tab or You know, Mm -hmm. Slack or whatever else is popping up. So just it puts me in the right space. And I've found as I've done that over the really diligently over the last couple of years, it's, I get to a a creative place a little bit faster. And it used to, I I would block an hour and sometimes just sit there and not sure where to start or I would just have nothing coming through for upwards of like a half an hour. Sometimes just nothing really great came out of it at all. But then I think having a framework helped. And then also, uh, it's like a muscle. It feels like you can kind of get into that faster. Do you have that experience?
1: Sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm a big fan of of handwriting. Pretty much everything. I mean, I'll put. I put things in my calendar, so obviously it's synced to my phone, and I I get notices. But otherwise, I probably would handwrite them. Um, there's a connection. There's a relationship that's made between the thought, the emotion, the physical writing. Uh, with the pen on paper and the tactile experience of that, that actually um, fires more neurons than if you type. Because if you type, it's like eight keystrokes. But when you're writing, that's where the imaginary process comes in. I, it sounds to me like, and maybe this is good for your listeners, is that it may not come easy in the beginning because you're not used to it. You're conditioned for technology. And To shut off that stimulation, whether it's visual or whatever it is, um, and sit for an hour until you get into yourself, like connect and align with yourself enough that the information can flow through, that's really a training. It's it's a process of mastery. So good on you for sticking with it and, and giving yourself that space. I mean, there's a lot of information and guidance. How about that? A lot of guidance can come through
0: when you do that, yeah, it's been one of the greatest investments I've made in in a week for myself that I can remember from a like a habitual process. It's great, and uh, what comes from it, and I love doing it on Fridays because you're kind of closing out the week like I, I do it right after lunch on Fridays unless so I have to move it for something else. I try not to move it, but the the kind of recap on the week, but also it lets me start to think about the upcoming week and just making small adjustments every week yeah. over time it's kind of exponential that way and and it's I feel like I'm in front of my my upcoming week I feel like I'm I'm playing with a lead going into the next week versus trying to open your computer Monday morning and then everybody else's you know world comes pouring in and it's hard to focus on what you want to and you know the ego comes in all the things that the limiting beliefs are triggered and you just it's too it feels like it's you're playing from behind and trying to catch up on everything else in a in a very busy environment versus Just being out front of it, knowing okay, here's where I was successful and not in the prior week in whatever capacity, and then looking at the upcoming week and saying, here's what winning looks like for me next week and the changes I want to make. Albeit, plan never goes according to plan, but at least you have a plan going in, and it's been a great investment for me.
1: Absolutely, and it's it's kind of like I was in the radio industry for six years, and that was a very old school tool that my um, my boss at the time taught me and that was to take time on friday to recap review and then plan ahead so you hit the ground running it's, it fascinates me uh, when i see business owners and company leaders doing their strategy session in q1 mm. and i'm i think to myself it's like if you would have done that in december or november you could put your feet up during the holidays and come into january coming to q1 hitting the ground running but here Absolutely. now you're you're behind and nothing feels worse than sleeping in
0: yeah yeah no no kidding it's it's we just uh did our our 2023 planning for our business this week and last week and for that same reason definitely want to hit the year with the the plan already being realized versus trying to to plan and uh, January at the turn of the year and you're you're already kind of behind the curve.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's good on you for doing that. It's a great tool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for this conversation and I want to ask you a question, something we love to ask on the podcast to help kind of narrow our focus and uh, the question is, what's the one thing you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today?
1: That you can be, do and have anything when you rewire or wire your mind toward it and so just know that just don't don't believe in any limitations it's just not true
0: that's awesome thank you so much and i i want to give you a chance to uh connect with our listeners and where they could find you and what you've got going on. So do you want to share where uh, our listeners can find you and, and what resources you have available and upcoming?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so my podcast runs live on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific. Uh, we broadcast live on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. And then the recording, of course, is on all the major platforms. It's the Deborah Peters show, Deborah with an H. Uh, go to my website for upcoming seminars and leadership retreats at, and that one is NEI, uh, M-I-N-D So it's the short version of Neuroengineering Institute with MIND, M-I-N-D on the end. And we've got some great stuff coming up next year with um, our leadership and management retreats, both in Savannah, Georgia, and Newport Beach, California as well as the Business Accelerator Bootcamp, which will be running in both cities a little bit later on in the year. So love to see everybody in person, that would be nice.
0: Awesome, Deborah. thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was a great conversation.
1: Thank you, you have a blessed day and happy holidays.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to the One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There you'll find information on one on one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T H E, the number one.com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com/slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.